John, uh, you were going to have a side-by-side in uh, Port St. Lucie at MetCamp. You got Francisco Lindor to sit with us. Yep, he's coming on in, and I'm really looking forward to what he has to say. Terrific individual, fantastic to cover, as you know. One of those star players who will always give time, win or lose, and has a lot to say. So I, I think we're really looking forward to this one. This is really a special interview coming. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting stuff at Metcamp. Alonzo, a new manager, a new GM, hope for the playoffs. We'll ask him about all that. John and I will talk. We've been at Matt and the Yankee camp. We'll talk about some early impressions from the camp, some of the bi- bigger stories. We'll play hit and error at the end if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. John, uh, we're both in spring training as we do this. People who are going to watch us on YouTube, they'll see some background. It's not a field. You're in Port St. Lucie. I'm in Tampa. We're going to flip-flop in a couple of days here. And I figure that's like the best place to start. Uh, we're in two camps. Let's talk Mets and Yankees a little since we've been around the teams. You wrote a column the other day. You got David Stearns talking about that he thinks the New York Mets are a playoff team in 2024. i You've sounded incredulous about it on the show previously. <laughs> what, what what do you think? Well, I mean, anything is possible, obviously. They they obviously have some very good players here. And, you know, if everything goes right, certainly. I mean, I think the best thing that they have going for them is that the National League is not very deep, right? You've got the Dodgers, who are a super team. You've got the Braves, who are close to a super team. You've got the Phillies who are really good as well, but, you know, there's still three other spots, right? So, you know, obviously David Stearns isn't a BSer, you know, I mean, he's got some mathematical model that shows that they're somehow getting that fifth or sixth spot. You know, he says they're a playoff caliber team and, uh, you know, that's the way their math adds up. So, you know, I'm not going to doubt it too much. Uh, You know, I've been in that room for a week now. They have good players, some good players. They have a decent team, but, you know, I, I wouldn't have suggested they're a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I, I wonder how good you have to be to make the playoffs as even the sixth uh, team in the National League, because I think you pointed it out. Like, we could eliminate, I, I hate to do this to fan bases, but the magic number is up in Colorado. It's up in Miami. It's up in Washington. By the way, I mean, I know the Giants are going to go for it. I don't think they're very good. We'll see how it plays out over the course of the year. So, you know, you start ticking off teams, and you wonder, can the Mets get to that mid-80s to high-80s? You know, David Stearns, I think probably a lot of his teams in Milwaukee on paper at this time of year didn't look great. That was the NL Central. A little easier to climb to the top. I, I, I mean, I think Philadelphia might actually win the East this year. I think Philadelphia and Atlanta and, and the Dodgers, to me, stand out as the three best teams in the league. And then there's that group. Are the Mets in that group with, like, Arizona, you know, anybody who doesn't win the Central? Like, let's assume the Cubs win. Are they better than Milwaukee, St. Louis? I think they're in the pool. Right, um, and the fair. question is, can they self-improve? You're you're around the team. I look one of the stories at this time of year, John. Wherever you are, is about young players, right? It's about last year. It was like, when are the Mets going to call up Beatty? Then everybody saw Beatty play, and it was like, when are they going to send down Beatty? So, uh, you know, you're around now. It's Jet Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, Gilbert. It's guys that got in the trade. Some of the young starters who might have to be depth. So I wonder, have you gotten any feel for young players and what they actually think of them, not just what they might think <laughs> to Baseball America? 
Yeah, I think Jed Williams is going to be a star. I really do. He's got that personality. Uh, you know, I think he's a tough kid. Um, you know, he's very athletic. People love him. Uh, somebody told me basically he's a stick of dynamite on the field. He's explosive. Um, so he's got some power. I think he's hit 13 home runs. I think he had 40 steals, something like that last year. Uh, he really took a step forward, and he is their number one um, prospect now. So I, I do like him. He hopes to be in the major some point this year. I'm not sure how much he's going to impact this season, but, you, you know, we see so many guys get called up eventually. You're right. We were all clamoring for Beatty, and then, you know, obviously Beatty struggled his first year. Uh, you know, I think Beatty is a big key to this team because we can still see him going either way, right? He still could be a star. He's got that big power. I saw him out in the backfield yesterday, and boy, he hits the ball a long way. You know, there are a lot of questions at this point. Is New York the right spot for him? Uh, are Major League fastballs uh, tough for him? Is he quick enough at third base? Um, so, you know, obviously he's got talent. Is he going to be a Major League star at third base? Uh, that's open for debate. I do think that they do have much better depth this year, I, even in the rotation. Uh, they've got all these guys who did pretty well last year uh, who are outside the top five, right? McGill and Lucchese, Peterson when he gets healthy, Budo. I mean, that's four guys. So I, I think rotation depth is a huge thing. I think they did very well with that in the offseason. They do have a deep team. I mean, right now, as things look, you've got Bader in center, you've Nimmo in left, you have Marte in right. So DJ Stewart, who was outstanding last year, not a starter at this point, uh, that bodes well for the team. They they have depth in the rotation. They have depth in the team. So, you, you know, David like Stearns has seen playoffs. Right. He's you, seen you, you, playoff teams. He's, yeah. you know, he made it four times in a row with a small market team. So, you know, I, I don't think he's a, a hype man. He's not here to, you know, juice up the ticket sales. I think he actually believes it. So uh, I'm not going to doubt him too much. I didn't think so. But, uh, you know, you know, with the team, the league isn't deep and the team, this team is de deep. So, yeah, it's, it's possible. Deep, and, and look, I think there's a crossover for the two teams. Uh, with a player, and it's Francisco Alvarez and Anthony Volpe. Both guys came up last year. The question about them at this time last year was a defensive questions. Can Alvarez handle catcher? Can Volpe handle shortstop? Volpe won the gold glove, and Alvarez, like, clearly could catch. And they both did enough offensively to make me feel like there's another level for both guys. And that both teams get better if those young players take that step. I mean, I think, John, you're there. I think Alvarez is going to be a star. Well, he did stuff that only Johnny Bench did in terms of the, the age and being a rookie catcher to hit the 20 homers and at 50 RBI. So that bodes well for his future. If you do something at age 21, you're generally going to be a really good player at the major league level. Now, he did wear down last year. He had never caught more than 100 games before. And so, I mean, he's going to have to probably improve that stamina. And, you know, that's probably true of all young players. Uh, I think eventually he should be a star, right? I mean, that's what we're figuring for him. Is he going to be a star this year? I'm not sure. I mean, look at these. A lot of these guys had pretty low batting averages last year, right? I mean, even Alonzo did. Um, that's why we looked at it and said, you know, they really need a bona fide number five hitter. Maybe Alvarez can be that guy. Uh, maybe it can be Beatty. I mean, he certainly has ability. Um, maybe it can be him, but... Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of questions with this team, but there are a lot of questions with a lot with every team in the National League except for those three teams that we mentioned earlier. You know, John, on the other side of this glass is a team with a lot of questions also. I'm watching yeah. them work out on the field as I speak to you. Uh, it's the Yankees. And I would say if there's a theme from this camp, 
besides the obvious that Soto's here, right? And so you got Soto and judges. For them to be who I think they want to be, 95-plus wins, real shot at winning the American League Championship and the World Series, this is about, like, the I'll-show-you guys, right? Like, John Carlos Stanton came here. He's in great shape. Like, I mean, you, John, when you come here, whatever the pictures look like, it, it almost doesn't do it justice to how much leaner he is than what he was previously, right? Uh, Rodon is down like that. Nestor Cortez on the mound, DJ LeMayu, Anthony Rizzo beyond his concussions, Marcus Stroman in a market that was dying for starting pitching, and he's a very good starting pitching, not getting the money and wanting to prove what, what he is. Like, it feels like they have a lot of guys who, whichever way they go here, is how the Yankees go. They'll clearly be better offensively to some degree because Soto is such a great player, and it will lift them. But for the like lineup to be long, Rizzo needs to be past the concussions. LeMayu needs to, he's playing third base LeMayu every day. He's not some roving guy now. And it feels like this is about how many of the revival guys can actually revive. Yeah, I mean, they have questions too. And I, to, for me, the depth is the biggest question for them. The health, I mean, it's great that they're all in shape. Uh, fantastic. There's a lot of people in a lot of camps saying that they're in great shape too. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see about that. To me, the question with them is the depth, particularly in that rotation. You know, you were there. Uh, is Cortez really healthy already now? I mean, I don't know. People who were in the interview session didn't act, seem to think that he acted like he's certain that he's 100%, right? Rodon, I know that he got good reviews. His fastball, he thinks he's regaining it. But, I mean, he had a, what is he, all right, 6.8 last year? Something like that, right? I mean, there's a lot of questions in that rotation. And to me, the, the question is about the depth. You've got Schmidt. At number five, which is fine, but what exactly is behind that? Heel, Warren, I don't know. Uh, really unproven guys. They they traded all those guys to get Soto. I'm not going to second guess the Soto tr trade. You know, everybody loved it and gives them two out of, at least my mind, two out of the three best hitters in Major League Baseball. That's huge. Their lineup is going to be much better. And it was not good last year. It did not work for whatever reason. The health was a big part of it. But uh, I, I still question that rotation. It's just not deep enough, I don't think. Yeah, you know, they brought they they saw something late last season they liked in Luke Weaver. They brought him back. I would assume he's the sixth starter to open the season. But, John, it's a point we've talked about previously. I think if Michael King were still here, he'd be the number two starter. Uh, you know, that he's not. Again, I, we're not going to second guess. there. You, you can't get Juan Soto for coupons. you got to give something away of some significance. And obviously they did uh, in King and other guys like, you know, I was actually blown away a little bit in San Diego by how much the Padre people like Randy Vasquez uh, was a guy they talked about yeah. quite a bit, plus Brito and Thorpe, the uh, prospect. You know, that was probably, though that threesome was probably 300-plus innings for the Yankees this year, if uh, that foursome, if they're here. And after Luke Weaver, who's a bounce-around guy, to your point, it's Hill coming back from Tommy John. It's Yoendris Gomez, who hasn't pitched a lot in the major leagues. It's can Chase Hampton close the gap and get up here? Will Warren, Clayton Beater. It's, you know, it gets flimsier. But, John, like to your point about um, everyone in every camp is claiming to be in the best shape of their life. Everyone in every camp is dying for starting pitching depth. And yet everyone thinks, oh, these guys are AAA. They're ready. This reclamation project. So the Yankees are just yeah. on that pile with everybody else, right? 
Yeah, I think the Mets are ahead of them. I mean, frankly, uh, you know, all those guys, Lucchese was good last year. McGill has shown signs. Uh, I think Peterson has an in him. He wasn't great last year. Obviously, we know Budo had some good starts. So I, I think they actually have more depth here with the Mets than the Yankees. You know, A.J. Preller was depressed when he made that trade. You know how much he loves stars there in San Diego. But I think he did fine. I mean, Vasquez, Brito, they looked good last year. That was certainly a strength of the Yankees was that they had all these guys come up and do well. And I, I think that San Diego's really going to benefit from that. They're a little bit of a weird team. They still they, Did they get a third outfielder finally? I think maybe uh, they were holding yeah. two outfielders up. Jerkson Profar, right, they signed? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's a little bit odd. They need to get some outfielders. So many hitters still out there on the market, but – uh, I think they did pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to say, again, not second-guessing the Yankees. It's great they have Soto. Soto, Judge, 2-3 in that lineup. That's the best thing about this team tied with Cole. Uh, I get it, but I'm worried about that rotation. John, why don't we wrap this up? You, you'll you do one, I'll do one. Like, tell, tell me something that has stood out to you in that camp, something maybe you haven't written yet or, like, uh, you talked to someone and it really stood a- a- Anything you think – our listeners on our podcast would like to hear your, your insight on the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think to me the most interesting was Stern's telling me this is a, a playoff team, but, uh, you know, I, I think third base is interesting to me. I, they clarified finally that Bader is the center fielder, Nimmo is the left fielder. I don't know why they were so hesitant about that, but I do think it's interesting that when I asked yesterday about Beatty, whether he's the third baseman and I mean, it's his. It's got to be his job to lose. What? Who else is it? And all they'll say is he's in the mix. Basically, uh, I don't know whether they want him to fight hard. I don't know. I, I expect him to do that, or they don't want to put pressure on him, or they're 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 afraid that the pressure will hurt him. But I do think that third base situation is interesting. Vientos, we saw him taking grounders. He looked okay taking grounders, but. I don't feel like anyone thinks that he is a starting third baseman at the major league level. So I, you know, I think third base is fascinating. I think Beatty is the most interesting guy on the team because if he performs as everyone expected last year, uh, he's a star. You know, if he if he repeats la- last year, obviously uh, that's that's a big issue for them. That that's the biggest swing to me. Whether Beatty is a star, whether he's an average player, or whether he's not, and maybe needs to go to the outfield. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be writing about today for the post. But uh, yeah, well, I, I think that he's on well, everybody's Let's not tell the mind. competition. We're keeping your yeah, that's all right. Ixnay there on a, the third base. There now. is no competition. I mean, come on. Yeah. You, you know, right. when I was at Newsday, uh, we I, had Newsday, the the post, and the Times, and the news. Right now, it's it's the post. Yes. Yes. Buy the post. Go to the post. Mypost.com. <laughs> uh, John, I wonder if uh, 12 months from now or 10 months from now, next offseason, we're writing about a lot about Alex Bregman. Uh, and the New York teams, I know that we're going to be certainly talking about Soto probably bidding war there, but I, I, I'm i not comfortable with the, like if I were thinking about LeMayu is the third baseman and I'd play the game of who's the backup third baseman. Is that uh, Cabrera, Oswaldo, uh, Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera? And which leads me to just one quick observation that I'll close with here, John. A year ago, there was supposedly a shortstop competition here between Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe. Today, Peraza feels like one of the great afterthoughts. He feels like he's on the Miguel Andujar track, which is, hey, we love him. We love him. We love him. We didn't trade him for this thing. We didn't trade him at the top of his market. Can we rebuild him? Hey, we just designated him for assignment. Uh, Peraza is a guy they talk great about. 
But like the reality is there was a moment last year for a long time where Donaldson and Rizzo were both out and they could have put LeMayu at first and Peraza at third if they really thought great of Peraza and they didn't do that. So to me, I'm just wondering, you know, what 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 it all means. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. They have a lot of questions there still. Uh, they've held tight to Peraza. They obviously have uh, feelings about how good he may become. Uh, you know, I think there's questions about all these prospects. Volpe, I have a great feeling for. I mean, he won, his, he won a gold glove in his first year, so he he's set. But for me, all, all the other kids are questions now. I think we expect a lot from Dominguez and uh, some others, but uh, and Spencer Jones, who they won't trade, but... Uh, to me, all the other guys are question marks at this point. All right. Well, we'll be talking more Mets uh, with their star shortstop, Francisco Lindor, who joins us next. If you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Well, I'm not sure we've been able to do it this easy, John, in the past, especially if anyone who's going to watch on YouTube sees that who our guest is sitting literally next to you in Metcamp. I'll do it just one, two, three. One-time Platinum Glove winner, two-time Gold Glove winner, three-time Silver Slug winner, and four-time All-Star Francisco Lindor, the shortstop of the New York Mets. Uh, Francisco, thank you so much for joining us. And I wonder just... From John is there from the outside. It feels like a different camp as far as kind of star studded, though obviously you still have stars from how the team was assembled last year, including even in the manager's office with a highly regarded manager like Buck Showalter. Sell me on why people should still believe that this version of the Mets is going to be a strong, high level playoff contending version of the Mets. I mean, selling you on it? Yeah. That's. that's, that's, that's... Uh, you just got to buy into it. You, <laughs> um, no. Well, what I, do you I, see, Francisco? I, what makes you feel good about the the club right now? Yeah, no. It's a, number one. It's a fresh start. We have a lot of new freight, new faces. A lot of guys that have a, a lot to prove to stay in the game. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that are fighting for for another day in the in in, in the job, uh, and that that's a that's a, a scary thing to have. Uh, and and not just that. Then there's the guys that were here last year. They they want to continue to get better. They they want to improve. They they feel like there's they we feel like we haven't finished the task. You know, we feel like we we are in a position where um, we need to go get it. You know, no, it, nothing's going to be handed to us, and it not just us. Any team, you know, I don't care who's on the other side. Um, we everybody has to go out there and compete day in and day out. And it's a fresh start. So it don't matter what we did last year or what the expectations are supposed to be. Um, it's you have the opportunity to create something good on day one. And I I know right now it feels like a good camp. Well, I was just out watching the live BP. You were one of the ones taking some mm -hmm. BP with Alonzo. You're laughing about it. But, hey, you look good to me. I don't know. One of the first pitches that you saw from Manaya, you lined down the right field line and the bat broke in half. I don't see that very often, right? I haven't that. seen that in a while. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Uh, your bat's done. I, I'm sure you're sad about that. But you, how did you feel out there, the uh, live BP? Yeah. Uh, Manaya, he looked good. And I felt like I was... Um, a little jumpy at first, and then little by little, I started to settle into my my stride, and I was able to put the ball in play, 
which is a successful day. Right. You know, is this is their head of the hitters at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I I, I hope they are. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm I'm at their level right now. So um no, yeah, it, it was a it was a productive day. So I, I saw good pitches. Um I was able to put um when I swung, I swung twice. Um I had a swing and miss and then the other one was a the broken bat, which is good, you know. At this point, uh, that's kind of what I want. I was trying to hit the ball the way. It's good. It's good. I feel it's good. a triple right down that right field line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like screen training, bases and doubles. <laughs> exactly. Francisco, when you were in Cleveland, you played for a guy who's going to be a Hall of Fame manager in uh, Tito Francona. Uh, Buck Showalter is a guy who's probably like a borderline guy. He's one of the winningest managers of all time, and it, you you two always seem to have good simpatico. Serious, smart player with serious, smart manager. Give us your early read on your new guy who hasn't managed in the major leagues yet, Carlos Mendoza. I think he's doing a really, really good job of um, creating relationships, um, getting to know his players, getting to to know um, the coaches. I'm, I'm sure he already got to know them, but just continue to to evolve those relationships, and, um, it, it, including you guys, including the media as well. I mean, I feel like he he's um, learning as he goes. Um, I know he had a lot of experience on the other side of town, but I feel like he's he's one of those guys that he's trying to get people, um, trying to get to know them, and and he seems like he has a good handle of the daily basis. You know, the daily basis, it's been a good flow. Um, he understands how things need to move, and he also asking questions. You know, he's got Givy. Um, he has um, Barnes that was in the camp last year, the past two years. So he's got feedback from him. He's got Sheriffs um, in the coaching staff. Sarvi, he's been a part of the clear organization for a very long time. So he's he's he brought a group, good group that's helping him get the daily basis going. How about the, the other Francisco Alvarez? Uh, we had a, a report suggesting that he had an extension or close to an extension. I guess that was not correct. Yeah. None of us knew about it. Apparently, it's been denied. There's no attention, but it's nice to see the report. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, this team should be great up the middle, whether it be Bader or Nimmo. I think Bader will play the majority of center, but obviously Nimmo's outstanding there as well. Uh, you've got McNeil at second. Alvarez, what do you see from him, and what do you expect going forward? I mean, he did some things that only really Johnny Bench did in terms of the power at age 21 as a rookie. Yeah, he seems um, locked in right now. Uh he seems like he's getting a handle of like, I'm in my locker right now. I see my surroundings. I go to do my early work. I come back to my locker. Then I go back to do my catching drills. And then I do my bullpen, batting practice, life. He, he seems very locked in to his task. Where last year, he I, I felt like he was getting pulled in a lot of different directions. It was easy to pull him out of his routines this year um he's not getting pulled and i don't know if is that if that's because he's not the new face in town anymore or if it's because he learned that it's his time and on his own time whenever he wants he will get it done um so he looks really good right now i'm excited for him he i feel like he's gonna have a good year um He's never catch, caught that many games in a year, so I'm excited for him that he's going to have an opportunity to do the same thing, but understanding that, hey, September is tough if you're not 
rested. So uh, I, I feel like the, the ceiling, it's extremely high. He's nowhere near. Francisco, uh, besides Alvarez, another long-term contract that didn't get done was with Pete Alonso. Do you love that segue? Uh, I'm a real pro, how I smoothly transitioned there. Uh, I'm wondering, you you were able to work out something going into your walk year. Uh, I'm wondering if you could put us in the position of the star player who doesn't have something worked out. Is that a big burden uh, for a player? Does it begin to ebb to a team at all? Because clearly... The fan base has spoken. They wish this would get done. It doesn't look like it's going to. What What do you think is the impact for player and team? Um, from from a player standpoint, you got to understand who you are. I think that's the most important thing. Understanding who you are and how you perform, thinking about numbers. Um, if you don't perform thinking about numbers, then you should try to get it done in the off season at the beginning of spring training, and then don't worry about it in season. But if you can talk about numbers and you can talk about the future while you're in the thick of it, then sure, go ahead and play through it and, and talk about uh, money in the, in the middle of the year, and that shouldn't be a problem. However, I think Pete is in a unique situation and because, first of all, not everybody gets to go through this process, especially at a high level that Pete is going to go through and then second will, in a way, he's going to control his own destiny. And that's beautiful, you know. Because um, at the end of the day, uh, if he doesn't sign now, he he's going to get an opportunity in free agency. Again, with the Mets, Nemo did it, you know. Uh, and there's other players that have done it as well. So he kind of controls his own destiny. So he's in a, in a really cool position. Um, I just wish nothing but the best. And for him to have an outstanding year, for us um, and, and have him maximize what he can maximize, you know. Uh, um, he's an amazing person, an amazing teammate. Yeah, Nimmo and Diaz actually did do that right, right that way. Right. Let's talk about numbers. You mentioned numbers. You did 30-30 last year. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But there was the guy who did 40-70. So, I mean, 30-30 has been done before. How about you, 40-70? What do you think? I don't think I'll get to 70. Okay. Well, you're honest. Uh, 40 is a good <laughs> chance, but 70, my, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I quite get there. I mean, they can, they're going to have to make the bases a lot bigger for me to see 70 rags. Right. Yeah. I, um, man, this, it was impressive what he did. There's a reason why this has never been done. You know, um, it, it's extremely impressive. I, and kudos to him. You know, I, he went out there and took advantage of his speed and took advantage of the picking to first once and twice, and that's it. Um, he definitely maximized the most out of 23. So um, 70, is, I don't think it's in the back for me. It's not a goal of mine. <laughs> uh, 40, 50, 50, we start getting into the the the, the room where – hamstrings start to hurt, quads starts to hurt, calves, they start to hurt, you know, because think about it, 50 bags, you dive in at least 40 times, you know, so that all of a sudden you dive and you get back up, you're like, damn, all right, let's go again, you know, so um, no, no, it, it's it's something that um, is it's tough in the body, um, but I'm I'm just gonna go out there and compete, you know. Uh, Seventy, I don't think it's in my, in my range. Well, your, his brother happens to be locker room right next mm -hmm. to you, so mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you could pick his brain about maybe the brother has some 
Hints. He, he's a good kid. kid. He's a yeah. good kid. Ooh, he, he's on help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Luis, he, 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 um, him, Jet, Gilbert, um, they're good kids, you know. They're old. Yeah, they're all little guys. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> One thing, you know, I want to follow since you talked about all those little guys, and you're always, he's always smiling. This is not a put on. He is a happy guy. I saw him in the clubhouse the other day. He's got started the basketball going, yeah. right? Now you lost to the interpreter. I've lost you lost, you lost to the uh, clubby, yeah. the clubby. Yeah. You lost to these guys who are all yeah. tiny little, and you still smile through it. Now yeah. you, you're a professional athlete. Yeah. Shouldn't you be beating these guys? Eventually, it's spring training is a long. Okay, it's, it's, right. it's long. We have six, five weeks. Ago. All right. Eventually, you know they're they're taking advantage of me. Every day, I'll play and I'll get better. By the end of spring training, I'll hustle everybody. <laughs> I would hope so. You're the athlete. Probably it's not. Man, I suck at basketball. <laughs> well, it's all right. <laughs> John, that's my corner to be asking basketball questions and making basketball right. analogies. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, because we mentioned 30-30. I mean, it's not a, it's still not a ton of people who've done it, especially shortstops. Uh, I mentioned the litany of gold gloves, platinum gloves, all-stars, silver slugger. You know, you, through age 30, you have one of the most impressive shortstop resumes in history. Do, even though I'm sure you think this is about halfway, do you think about the Hall of Fame at all? For yourself, um, I'll be lying if I if I didn't. Um, do I think about it on a daily basis? No, but when a kid start playing the game, he dreams of World Series, making the last out, or hitting a walk off. Um, thinks about um, being one of the best in the games, then thinks about winning awards, and then thinks about finishing the career at the Hall of Fame. If you understand it, you know, if you understand, if you know what it is, you definitely um, think about that. And I have two mentors in my career that have helped me a lot. Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer, and the next Hall of Famer is Beltran. You know, those guys, I, I see them. I'm like, man, I want to get to where they are. Um, and my favorite player growing up, Roberto Alomar, you know. So then it's just like, it's almost like a... Um, for me to say I was somewhat like them, I kind of got to get closer to where they are, you know? Um, but I'm not thinking about them daily basis. It'll be a dream and it'll be something that um, if it ever happened, you know, I still got a long way from for that. You know, my numbers are nowhere near. Um, but if it ever happened, I think it, it, it'd be more of a, a, a gift for my parents than anything, you know. That, that that to me, it's less like, well, you guys did it, you know. I uh, I obviously would love that, but we'll see. I still got to worry about today. And we agree with you, but we both vote for Beltran for the Hall of Fame, and I do expect that he he will get it. One thing that I do think should be attainable for you is the Clemente Award, and I know that you are have Puerto Rican heritage, mm -hmm. and boy, you are a charitable guy. I think you've given a million dollars to your old high school, mm -hmm. your old grade school as well, Mont Montverde, mm -hmm. and uh, I think there's the Lindor Hall there. Uh, we knew you were generous when you gave the car to uh, uh, 
Jeff McNeil for winning the uh, batting title. I don't know if you're really going to go through with that. If I do win, if I ever do win a Pulitzer for my game stories, I, I will be expecting something. But how, how much? Is, how I'll get. I'll get you the card. I thought I was going to get McNeil a Hot Wheel for a second. <laughs> I'll take it. That's all. I'll take it. I don't think there is a Pulitzer for game story writing, but. I mean, this is something that you're really involved with, right? The charities. Yeah. So, I mean, how important is that? I take a lot of pride in it. it. It's something that my parents have always talked about. You know, uh, it, it's not a blessing to actually start sharing things. You know, that's when you like, yeah, it's a blessing. I can help others as well. Um, and, and I'm as someone that didn't go to college and the education guy was from Montbury Academy and, you know, through my agent, putting me in different places and me meeting different people um, and being in different meetings. Um, I take a lot of pride in education. I think the the world could be conquered through education. And, and I feel like um, a lot of young athletes or kids, you know, don't really emphasize on it. And the ones that emphasize on it, they're so caught up in, in into I got to get into college. I got to get into college that when they get to college, it's almost like a letdown, you know? So it, it, you got to have a balance. You got to have a balance of, of um, a healthy balance of education and, and a regular life, you know, with sports or music or theater or different stuff, you know, um, that that's why I've always tried to go back and, 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 and talk to kids and given the, the, the scholarship to, Anybody that's just a student, you know, you you gotta be um, someone is willing to to continue to learn and but also understands that um, you gotta have a healthy balance of um, good grades and help the community um, or play a sport or, or being fine arts or you know just anything. You know, Francisco, you mentioned the lack of college, and I, I'm not just uh, blowing smoke here. I mean, you are a stand-up guy, you're a worldly guy, and clearly you have emerged as as close to a captain without having the title and a C on your jersey as the Mets have right now. How uh, how important is that to you that you're looked at it that way? You you seem to be a guy who likes the mentoring of young players. Uh, of being the guy who says something in good times and bad times for the organization? What 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 does it mean for you? I mean, that's kind of what I signed up for. You know, I signed up for for everything that job title had, uh, uh, winning especially. Um, and I do take a lot of pride in, in, in mentoring and, and, and helping the younger players and the players that have more time than me, you know, that are just looking for an advice or looking for uh, – uh, uh, in hitting or in fielding because at the end of the day I didn't get here by myself you know there's a guy that just retired Michael Brownlee you know it's a, that guy I, I, I walk in the clubhouse and and just little by little gravitate to see what he's saying you know to learn from from all the stuff um, Mike Aviles uh, Mike Napoli, you know, there it seems like a lot of mics. <laughs> it might be, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I um, I, I appreciate that people help me in my career. I want to pass that forward. Um, and and to your point of being a captain and being the leader, I 
I want to be a leader. I want to be someone that uh, is holding people accountable, but also people are holding me accountable as well. Um, it, it's um, David Wright's here and seeing David uh, walk around. It, it, it's cool. You know, I, I abuse David in, in PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> I used to every other day I abuse the hell out of him. So watch, watch him um, walk around here is pretty cool. And, and uh Yeah, yeah, I don't know if, if the captain thing is it's done um anymore, you know, if they do those things, but ultimately I just want the respect of my teammates and I uh, and my peers and and everybody because I I I try to give what I what I want to receive, you know. So that's kind of how I go about it. Yeah, it's great. It's great that you're on here. We really appreciate that. It's 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 been great for Mets fans to get to know you and the smile is genuine and uh obviously you're you're a Baseball guy potentially on the way to the Hall of Fame. Not a basketball expert yet. He will be by the end of the spring. But I know you have other interests, and I, yeah. I saw your yellow bag. I know fashion. If I would guess, I would say fashion and tennis. Now I'm a tennis guy, so I'm into. Are those your two hobbies outside of baseball? Fashion, tennis, coffee, coffee. Yeah, You're an expert. Yeah, I'm not an expert, but I will have my coffee shop at some point. I'm you navigating talk. Yeah, you're a coffee guy, Joe. Oh my goodness. I love but, coffee. But not like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks no. coffee only. No. Uh though though the weird situation is the guy who started Starbucks grew up in the same project house as me in Brooklyn. He wow. made a couple of billion dollars. You and I are talking on a podcast. So he did yeah. that. He's doing okay. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I wasn't and, and nothing, me here, John. To, to your point, nothing against Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks got many yeah. people jobs and many people into coffee. Yeah. You know, right. I, I, including myself. You know, no, I like the good stuff. But yeah, but you're a connoisseur yes. now. Yeah, it, it's like I just like having different notes in different coffees, you know, like going to different places. It's like, what kind of coffee? And then seeing the notes, spelling that. And it's, I just feel coffee. Um, you can have a conversation through through coffee about anything, you know, I, and that it's it's great. And fashion, drinks. and fashion, I get, I have learned since I was a little kid, I talk too much. So through fashion, <laughs> I can express myself without saying a word. So, so it's great. We like that. We like that about you. Yeah. So I'm coffee, John's fashion. Look at the shirt. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm more of the tennis guy. Go yeah. Ahead. Uh, one other thing on just you as a player, I want to get back to. I think we talked about this last spring training because I think you either played 161 or 162 games in 22. Also, and you played them all last year. We found out this spring, right? You had an elbow situation, a bone spur that needed some surgery. I always think it's the most underrated number next to a player's name. Like we talk about war, but like if you play 120 games, what's the war of the guy who's the backup shortstop for the 40 games you don't play? Like right. that should be counted against you. Like mm -hmm. we never have to know the name of the backup shortstop on the Mets because you play mm -hmm. uh, through everything. What does durability mean to you? Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. That's, it comes with consistency. My Instagram, Lindor12BC, be consistent. Everything in my shoes, be consistent. Durability comes with being consistent. Just posting up every single day. I take a lot of pride in it. With that being said, 162 is not a goal of mine. Otherwise, I would have played the 162 last year and this year. But it's not a goal of mine. For me, it's posting up. And if I play 160, 161, and even the games I'm not there, I'm still available for the coach, for the team. That, that means a lot. 
it means a lot to me. It's I take a lot of pride on it. I've been blessed to to be put in in a place where trainers are really good and they help me to um to stay healthy, stay in the field, and and they have allowed me to say, man, this is bothering me, but I can play through it. And they have said, yes, okay, you get. I tr we trust you. Go out, go out and play, and and. and That says a lot about the training staff here, um, that in Cleveland as well. You know that they they are allowing us to go out there and be ourselves, but they're also taking care of us, and it, it just it just means a lot. It means a lot to post up every single day, um, and to be there, to be there. That's part of uh, to me. It's part of being um, a leader. You know, David Stearns uh, told me the other day he, he thinks this is a playoff caliber team. I know we just got here, and it's mm -hmm. probably hard to answer that. But well, what do you are there certain aspects of this team that you're seeing that you're that you're liking and believing that that, that this team is going to be better than last year's team? I believe it. I believe it. I mean, to be in the playoffs, you have to believe that you belong there before everything starts. You have to believe that you belong there. And we, if we go player by player, we got what it takes. We just got to go out there and do it. Last year we had what it took, but we just didn't do it. You know, this year we have what it takes. If we go position by position, it might not be the most talented team or the most um, superstar team out there, but the guys can do it. You know, there's guys that um, got paid out of high school or college, guys that made it to the big leagues and made some money, guys that. Um, analytically, they can put up good numbers, guys that um, can run the bases, that can play defense, that can throw the ball, they can execute the little things of the games, and guys that are hungry for the little details of the game, and they're looking for that stability in the big leagues. They want to establish themselves. Guys that, that are already established are looking for for the stability of the organization of like, here we go. We want to have what all these things, what couple like Houston, Dodgers, Atlanta, um, Philly starting to do it. Um, um, the Rangers are starting to, to do those things. Cleveland did it for many years. Um, you know, that, that, that stability of like, we're showing up, we're postseason team. The expectations is to be in, the, in October. Nobody's counting on 162. Everybody should be counting for 170 plus. You know, that that's the expectations. And, and in order for you to be in the postseason, you gotta start believing it from, from day one, even in the in the in the offseason, you know. Um, and I I agree with David. I think he he did a really good job along with his um assistants and other people that work alongside of him. Um, we had so many roster spots to fill up. And he did it. They did it, you know. Um, and here we go. Uh, you know, as a way to wrap up, Francisco, it, it, you can hear it in an answer like that. You're kind of like passions go beyond just being the shortstop of the Mets, right? You clearly have, uh, you know, care about the organization, want them the, 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 the best for it. And I'm just wondering if you could, as a way to sum up, like David Stearns is new. How's that relationship? And obviously, anybody who's been paying attention, you have a great relationship with the owners, Alex and Steve Cohn. Sum up like what you think your influence is, because clearly you have thoughts on things like how they're expressed and how seriously they're taken by the people. Yeah, um, the the relationship with David it's it's growing. It's a growing one. He um, 
he he's always around. He seems like very, he's very um, accessible. You know, he was in the dugout today. I saw him yesterday. He was um, training in the in the weight room after everybody was left. I was walking out and I saw him. So he's accessible. So it, it it's a relationship that that's growing. Um, the the Cohen's family they're they're fantastic, and I I um, I have a lot of appreciation for them. Um, they're also accessible. You know, they they. When my first year, when I was struggling the most, Steve was texting me and calling me. Um, Alex was texting me and calling me as well. You know, and you don't get that. You don't. It, it's not that you don't get it from owners. You know, like there's other there's owners that you talk to them and like I talked to the Dolan family. They're they're great. Um, um, but when you're struggling, usually a lot of people leave you alone. You know, like oh yeah yeah, and and, and they didn't. You know, it was my first time in New York, um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And, and when it comes to the influences of the team, um, I'm a player. I'm a player. I'm not a coach. I'm not. I'm not a, a, a front office member. Um, yeah, I give my input, but my input shouldn't be the final word. You know, this is a team thing. Um, if I give my input on something. I want I want I want decisions to be made based on education, based on knowledge and research. Okay, Francisco says um this is something that we need. This is okay, do we need that? I, the group should be talking about it and say, no, we don't need that. Fine, you know, great. Thank you for hearing me out. Or yeah, we actually need to address that. And this is how we address it. Fantastic. Let's keep on going. I'm a shortstop for the New York Mets. I'm not a GM. I'm not, I'm not the owner. I'm not a manager. I'm the shortstop for the New York Mets. And I'm going to try to be as best as I can be day in and day out. And let David be the best um, president, head of ops, baseball ops that he can. Let Steve be the best owner. Let Carlos be the best manager. I'll worry about shortstop. I got that covered. Yeah. Well, you, 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 if you want to be a reporter, you could. You want to break some news no, here, no. like, like David, <laughs> David, David, how much was David Stern's bench pressing, for example, in that weight room? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'll stay away from that. One. No, stay away. Okay. Well, Francisco, we do appreciate. We know it's a busy time of year as camp starts. Uh, we we appreciate you finding time to join us on the show. John's there with you. I look forward to seeing you in person next week when I get to St. Lucie. Thanks again for joining the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Yes, thank, thank you so you. much, Francisco. Yeah. You're the best. See you soon. John and I, John, I want to say did a great job. It wasn't easy to kind of do the logistics to get Francisco Lindor, who was a terrific guest. And I, I'm really appreciative of all the efforts John put in to make it happen. And Francisco, to sit with us, it's just also that time of year that as I look out my window here, uh, Garrett Cole is throwing batting practice uh, uh, to Anthony Rizzo. John, we uh, we play hit or error at the end. What, what do you got? Hit or right. error. My view's not as good. Thank you, Joel. I, I want to thank Harold Kaufman also for uh, getting him the former Mets uh, PR uh, director who now works with David Meter, the agent for uh, Francisco. And thanks to Francisco for coming in and doing this. I know uh, it's ironic. We tried. Uh, this morning, and uh, he, he had to be late because of media training session, something he obviously <laughs> doesn't need. Um, I'm going to give an error. I know I'm in a good mood after Francisco is in here and smiling all the time, but I, I you know, I am who I am. So we're going to give an error to uh, Anthony Rendon. Uh, you know, obviously, family, faith, certainly that's important, but uh, 
I, I don't think you need the message on, on day one of spring training that this is just a job. You know, these fans are, you know, they live and die with the team. Um, you know, that's the reality of the situation. And even if you feel that it's just a job, uh, it is a job that's paying him $35 million a year. And he probably should at least fake it a little bit more. So I didn't think that quote was the greatest. I uh, could have said something a little in this one case, I'm saying be dishonest. Say that you love the game and that you're happy to play the game for the Angels and the fans and all that. Not that uh, it's not that important. You know, John, we had the same topic for hit or error, and I'm going to give an error also because I, I never want to tell a player to be disingenuous. Uh, the reality here is this is an error on the Angels. The word was out on Anthony Rendon that this was not that he is not a passionate guy. He was I was around the Nationals a lot late in that year. Right. They went to the World Series uh, 2019. You know, like what the Nationals liked about him playing on October, low motor, doesn't stress. You know, they also would tell you that's kind of who he was. And it wasn't a secret. And he might not have been a guy who you could imagine kind of like putting in the full mental, physical effort moving forward on a seven-year, $245 million contract. And the Angels overreacted. They badly wanted Garrett Cole. Cole decided to come to the Yankees again. I don't think there was a big secret out there that all things being equal, that Cole would probably end up a Yankee. Uh, The Yankees went to the ninth year. They got him. And they, you know, Billy Epler and Artie Moreno pivot into Rendon and... Like, they needed to do some better homework. Again, like, I'd rather, because I think the player is sincere. By the way, that player would have given them that answer probably, you know, four years ago. They might have saved some money if they had done their homework. So my error is more to the organization because this was not an unknown factor about him. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, free agency is a crapshoot. You know, I, I'm not sure, you know, we, we don't know. We're not exactly in the middle of the negotiations. We don't know everything that's going on, but I, I actually think it was worse than that. I don't think that they went for Cole first and then Rendon. I think they kind of pivoted when, when they still had a shot at Cole. Uh, my my belief is that Cole told them he'd like, he wouldn't mind coming there. He's from Orange County. He'd love it. Obviously, he had a Yankee story, too. He was a Yankee fan, uh, and maybe – Maybe he would have ended up with the Yankees anyway, even if the Angels had really gone for it with Cole. But I think they kind of pivoted while Cole was still a possibility and decided they wanted the position player. And they, they that's been their thing. They've gone for all these position players through free agency. And basically, uh, other than tr- keep resigning Trout, which the last one maybe, you know, maybe you could question because right now he's been hurt a lot. But obviously keeping Trout for a long time has been good. But the free agents that they've gotten have been mistakes. You know, it's a crapshoot. The Phillies are batting almost a thousand. The Angels are batting, I wouldn't say zero, but they're batting pretty low in free agency. Yeah. Well, they're tied with the Tigers for the longest not to make the postseason currently since 2014. It's reflected in their decision making. John, we're going to do a pivot soon, right? You'll be here coming to uh, Steinbrenner Field, the Yankees. I'm going to touch home, then come back and uh, do about a week with the uh, Mets. Uh, We'll be talking about that, obviously, uh, on future shows, uh, the, the show, uh, New York Post podcast. Uh, we always thank our producers, Andrew Hartz, Jake Brown. I see Dan Shalom's name up there again. I'm going to go ahead and hope I pronounced it correctly and thank him as well for everything he did. Uh, don't forget, uh, subscribe, rate, review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
uh, the New York Post Sports uh, YouTube page. You could actually, you might not want to see me and John, but Francisco Lindor was sitting next to John for that interview. And uh, again, we thank Francisco Lindor, who was really good with his time and information. We appreciate that. And uh, John, we got a bunch of shows to still be doing from spring training, regular season ahead of us. Uh, we hope you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Lee.